I've been trying to get to that workflow for years. In theory, it was possible for a while, but I haven't you know, been able to succeed until now. So I'm excited with that. That, that again I, I love when i hear these things and i get little goosebumps because it's just like that just <laughs> it's like yeah. tomer so great to have you on the imagine ai podcast thank you for coming on yeah thanks for having me chris here at imagine ai our goal is to talk with the world's leading ai startups builders and creators and you are certainly one of them with Leechy, who is leading the way in AI-generated video clips. Could you explain a little bit about what the ratio is of how much is done with AI and how much is done with the tender, loving care of good old humans? Yeah. So, you know, creating video clips is something where it's an art and science. And the part which is more of a science is easier to automate with AI. But, you know, there's always this magic which uh, requires a human touch, you know, to really make, you know, make it polished. So our ratio that we're aiming for is 80-20, having 80% automated with AI and 20% supervised or touched up by humans. And that I think is the ideal ratio in terms of unit economics and scalability, but still not sacrificing that quality that um, we need to be relevant in this game. So for you as a business, what's the advantage of using AI? So, you know, Leachy can be viewed in a few different lens. One lens is, you know, the AI tooling lens where, you know, different software services to help customers. But on the other hand, and the second lens is where I, I see Leachy more competing with is the traditional agency. That's the place where when you have to edit so many videos and you want to keep that quality high, highly consistent, then... It's very hard to implement AI and our goal and our advantage is basically competing on price with traditional agencies and being able to offer a different level of customer support of SLAs, right? Turnaround times, keep it at consistently. That's the big advantage here of how we can use AI to lower costs that would traditionally be very expensive in the agency to a price point that many businesses could easily afford and keep that quality high. Great. So you're a media agency that heavily uses AI to deliver the product in a timely, cost-effective fashion. But so you mentioned price there. Can you go into your pricing and compare it? Like what's the industry standard? I mean, I've talked with lots of different agencies mm-hmm. these days and like, you know, lots of potential clients and trying to figure out, you know, pricing and you know, where's the market at and what do you offer? Yeah. So um generally the marketplace would you'll be offered a few different price ranges. Prices would start at a let's say $30, $40 if you go to Fiverr or Upwork and look for talent there. The high-priced agencies, um, they would usually charge several hundred dollars per clip, three, four hundred dollars. Um, this is you know kind of the top of the market, having a dedicated editor that's very, very trained and professional on these clips. And we offer a price point of $50 for a one minute clip. And that price point is very similar to, um, you know, hiring a freelancer, but also offers that scale that you need and that quality assurance. And somebody's gonna make sure it's, you know, always perfect. We see it around 8X more affordable than a traditional agency. That's definitely a price point, which uh, should make business owners consider 
if uh, you know consuming these AI productized services is a good decision for their business. Mm-hmm. And so, what are the plans? What do you offer currently? Yeah, so we try to support the customer workflows. One of our most common workflows is helping businesses with their podcasts or webinar series that they do weekly. So a weekly episode that would come out to roughly 20 clips a month that will be produced from a weekly podcast episode. And that runs around $1,000 a month. And we have a a subscription for that. And we also have a different uh, package pay as you go. For companies who uh-huh. might have, um, you know, much faster changing requirements, they might be doing several podcasts and have just suddenly a huge burst, and then have maybe a few weeks that they aren't doing much. A thousand dollars for twenty clips is that's a that's a steal. That's really that's <laughs> really good. That's yeah. I, <laughs> we get in our agency, we can't offer those prices and make any margin. So tell me about like your team. And then who you you work with, like your core team. And then if you could talk about your extended team, because I know every agency, they do outsource some of the work. Yeah. So our founding team, we're tech entrepreneurs. Uh, We've been software developers since a young age. We've worked in tech. We work with AI. And at first, we tackled this business idea as AI founders would, right? Let's create a sort of AI wrapper. Let's kind of keep it in simple terms that will utilize LLMs and create these outputs. Although this is our nature, using AI, we saw this didn't work. And we needed a much higher touch to be able to provide these. Although we are this AI, you know, rooted team, but we've added and you know, learned this new industry of uh, becoming an agency. And everything we, we do is a slightly different, I assume, than how media or agency folk would tackle it. So we rely a lot on automation, and not only you know the vid- creating the assets like the videos, but everything around our business is automated to a large extent, and that mm-hmm. you know helps keep our uh, overheads down. Which kind of goes back to what you said before about how can you, um, you know, most agencies wouldn't be able to offer this. Um, mm-hmm. So we've you know we have this core AI team, and we have several other employees which bring more experience from the media world. And yes, we do leverage outsourced talent for mm-hmm. some of these touch-ups. The way we manage that is we manage a more kind of like a marketplace. So we have multiple editors that work for us and we keep them in very, very tight guidelines. And we have a very, very extensive quality assurance process. So we can know if these touch-ups are leading to successful outcomes. If not, maybe there's a problem with one of these freelancers. Maybe the quality is dropping. Um, So Mm -hmm. we'll be able to quickly figure out if there's an issue. And the system kind of auto-corrects if needed. Why clips? Why, for you personally, why do you do what you do? It's a lot of, it's a lot of repetition in a way. Um, yeah, it is. It is a very interesting uh, niche, right? Why would you go to clips? So the world of short-form video really, I think, should take everyone by surprise because it's a new paradigm of social media, which isn't really social anymore. And I think TikTok was the first platform to really change the game in the sense that we're not seeing content because our friends uploaded it, which was the standard we've seen throughout social media in the last 20 years. But we're seeing content because an algorithm decided this content will be relevant for us. And that's a huge change in the way you can distribute messages. And that's why I think short form video is based on algorithmic feeds is a very interesting place to be in. And 
our you know first product line are these video clips, but we see this concept of taking a productized service like video clips, but it can also be any marketing service. I'll say repurposing the podcast to a blog post, right? An article. That's also mm. a very important use case. So we want to start de- developing these different product series, all tailored to the same audience of small and medium business owners. And I think the video editing niche as a first go-to market is really topical and it's in urgent demand right now. But it'll definitely, it'll be the first, but it's definitely won't be the last service. And we see this kind of more as a uh, AWS of marketing services that we can offer. All right. So you're, you're touching to some interesting things there because, yeah, I agree with you completely that, uh, you know, short form is the game. I mean, that everyone should be getting into short form if you're not there already, if you have long form content. I, I just talked with uh, somebody that they, they run this really big conference and they have like, you know, these huge guests at the conference had hours of just like, you know, fireside chats and stuff. But they, ne- they haven't done anything with that. You know, there's just gold mines and clips in there and they could be using that to keep the media machine going. You know, conferences is one example. But I mean, where do you see the, the future going? I mean, there's going to be more demand for short clips. I agree with you there. But beyond short clips, what's next? Yeah. So I think you touched on two interesting topics. One is industries, right? Which industries are entering the short form video game at which times? I would say right now it's more the, the early adopters. As you mentioned, there are so many companies and organizations already producing a lot of this long form content. Perhaps they even know repurposing guidelines, you know, the Gary V method, but it's so hard to implement at scale. I think that's where it fails. The execution is very hard. Um, so we're seeing some companies take a while to implement that, but that will get better. Uh, we'll see more verticals and more industries getting into short form. For example, uh, construction is also an interesting one. Construction companies pay, you know, all these drone operators for hours of filming around their properties. We have doctors and dentists filming certain, some of the procedures and then uploading little snippets to social media, explaining how they do different operations. And we're seeing across the board. We'll see more of that. And in terms of what's next after short form, you know, nobody knows. Traditionally, we see every several years something in this content landscape shifts. Like five years ago, short form was uh, in imagination. What will happen in the next three years, four years? What content format will be the popular in 2028? Perhaps we'll all be consuming, you know, video or some type of video in the metaverse, right? We'll have Mm -hmm. the Apple Vision Pro on their head and companies will need to repurpose their content into this 3d video media format mm-hmm. like my theory is that i mean what are the trends it's one thing is that everyone's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and the other thing is the amount of smartphones being available the amount of good internet connection and the ability to take video is increasing so the amount of organic content is increasing and then the, yeah, the ability to connect with each other. So there's going to be more video conversations, more podcasters, so more original content, and everyone's attention span is getting shorter. Mm-hmm. It's just, to me, it's just going to be a, a short form game in forever until, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, AR does different things. It's more like a, a tool, I feel, an enhancer, but it's not for uh, people sitting there watching stuff. But I think just short form is the game, you know? For here for yeah, I can't even fathom what would replace short clips of authentic 
organic original content. Um, I, I understand that sentiment, right? It's always hard to imagine the next yeah. step. I think it's going to stay in our lives for 10, 20 years. There might be new formats, which uh, may come up, but uh, I agree. I think uh, unless we see even shorter content, but I think we'll, we will find this kind of right length of mm-hmm. content, which is brings the, um, the best bang for buck without losing you know, the context. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you know, Vine content, the seven seconds was perhaps too short. Right, it's very hard to convey anything meaningful in seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Maybe sixty seconds or one hundred twenty is the right format. And yeah, I think we're going to see different platforms introduce this. Um, waiting for LinkedIn to add short form native, I think that will change. Will be very interesting to see how the B two B world implements this video. How will our LinkedIn video feeds look like? Will it be like Salesforce funny skits? Or will it be training sessions? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think um, human attention is definitely uh, going to continue going down. I don't see why there's a specific point where it stops. But yeah, so it will be interesting to see how this all plays out. Okay, so I, w- I want to touch on the agency. And what do you use as your best success story for a client or a customer figures number-wise or maybe the <laughs> best videos you've made? What do you like to look back at? Yeah, so I have we have some nice uh, success stories. One which comes to mind is relevant. Just this week, I was talking to them. Uh, we're helping the folks at Morning Brew with uh, oh, on nice. their news shows. Uh, they launched a show called Bossy several weeks ago, and um, this show really took off. You know, their content is great, their production is great, and we help them create good, great clips to go with that. And even though only like 30 clips were published, we already had one over a million, I think even over 2 million by now. So that was a good success. We had over five clips that were above 100K. That's kind of how the milestones yeah. we, we look at. Is that on their Morning Brew account? It's under a new channel called Bossy. Okay, so cool. Not, so it's, it's, it's a new channel account. too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. They see it kind of converging slightly from their specific target audience. Um, so that's been great to see. Uh, we also work with uh, Shaquille O'Neal's podcast. He also had some amazing clips that he posted on his personal account as well as his business podcast. Wow. That's, um, so is that, that's, I mean, that's his team, right? That you're talking with or does Shaq uh, do you get a little DM from Shaq at all? Or? Yeah. So we work uh, mostly with his producer, okay. uh, but I can tell you that he watches the clips himself. Oh, he nice. reviews some of them himself, and they have videos of them all sitting together with them reviewing clips, uh, exactly yeah, like you do every day. Yeah. So yeah, he's uh he, he's one of the common men in terms of uh, clip revisions, and his uh, content is very unique because it brings also his personal voice and his basketball background, and mm-hmm. um, so that's been really cool. Uh, but yeah, there's also a lot of amazing success stories, which are not necessarily famous people. It's just companies that are producing good content. And this is you know driving significant uh, reach through shorts. So every time I see kind of a common man account succeed, um, and this could mean you know just 300,000 views a month. For a lot of companies, that's a lot. You'll need millions, especially if mm-hmm. it's like a B2B audience. Yeah, 300,000 so, for a B2B is good. Exactly. So it's not always about the numbers. Uh, so I love seeing also uh, those success stories, which are more um, down to earth, but sustainable. What's the challenging part about running a clips agency today? Demand is a struggle to anticipate. 
you know, most businesses demand is usually very hard to achieve. And here I'm saying demand is not the hardest part. So when your demand can jump suddenly like 50% per month, it's hard to anticipate that and make sure that all systems are working smoothly. That is the uh, hardest thing for, I think, for us uh, to be ready for, you know, this massive growth, which could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure that the quality doesn't deteriorate. I think that's the, the biggest thing. And I think that's also where most traditional agencies fall. You know, they're able to do a great job with 10, 20, 30 podcasts or clients. And when they start hiring more employees, outsourcing more, then, you know, something starts to break. And then their new clients suddenly aren't so satisfied. So they start dropping. And then this agency kind of gets stuck in this, um, let's say, 50K a month area. And uh, we're putting a lot of emphasis on making sure that the quality never drops. Mm. But yeah, I think... Um, you know, just, so it's, just, it's anticipating the demands of the clients and like whether they're going to want a lot of more clips or a lot less clips. It's just, you know, because we have this human element, anticipating demands uh, does require some level of human scaling, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, traditionally, originally we were planning on supporting 20, 30% growth a month, meaning as long as we're growing less than 30% a month, we'll be fine. But some months we've seen 50% growth. That basically leaves two options. Either we can accept this demand and that, you know, our turnaround time will drop or we can kind of close the demand and limit it, throttle it to 30% and then customers will be slightly agitated because they want more. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely good problems to have, but that's um, the most challenging part. All right. So I want to talk about competition because I'm very happy to have you on the podcast and Part of what I, I'm trying to do is I'm trying to upscale the production level. I'm trying to get out a lot more clips, you know, starting off small here, but, and I, I know that AI is going to keep developing, improving, you know, I'm going to try to use AI to make clips, but I know like you're saying that it's not as easy as just saying that there's always a human and we've tried, I've personally tried lots of these different like AI agencies and they say it's all AI done and it's just, it's not there, you know, it's not worth the time even trying to upload the videos and figure it all out. But I don't know if it's going to be like that always, you know, it should get better. And I want to talk to more clipped agencies and the founders and hear their story and what they're about. But what do you make of the competition in this Mm -hmm. AI clip space? So I think that's a great question. Uh, The commoditization of these tech AI tools. So basically what you're saying, I think there's a lot of truth to it is all of these AI tools, they're not, they're half baked at the moment, right? They can get you to 60%, mm-hmm. but we want 100%. But eventually, will they reach 100%? Technology will get better. Uh, they'll have more training data. There's a lot of evidence to show that things will get better. So I think things will definitely get better. The benchmark of what these tools will be able to deliver will go up. The quality will go up. Will we reach 100%? The answer is no. Because the goalposts will always be moving. Let's say in a year, one of these tools reaches the point where it can produce a successful clip in today's standards, right? In December 23 standards. In December 24, will that same clip still be successful? Probably not. Because these platforms and these content formats have uh, a very quick and rapid uh, life cycles. New editing styles are basically evolving all the time. 
and you know, we've both seen that on uh, different accounts we've worked on that, you know, there's this natural evolution where you start understanding, all right, this isn't working anymore. We're going to start going this way. That's, I think, basically Darwinism of the social clip world. You want to mm-hmm. make sure you survive. We've seen also this with the Alex Hermosi style. In the beginning, he was very successful. People that replicated were successful. And then over time, it kind of got commoditized to yeah. a point where you see those subtitles. And you're like, okay, I don't want to see this clip. It's probably mass created. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. a big part of why these AI companies will have a tough time always making sure their model is relevant to the standards of that specific point in time. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good tip for any um, content creator out there or agencies, just kind of staying one step ahead of what the average look is and like changing it up with the... It really comes down to like caption style, right? I mean, you can really develop a a unique look based on the font and uh, the style of the caption. And sometimes like you, you haven't seen a style and it just pops out. You're like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. That's that's a beautiful font and that draws you in and you haven't seen it in a while. And it's really just kind of like updating your fonts and uh, caption style every every few months or something, I feel. Yeah, it's, it's the fonts, uh, but it's also the things like the B-roll, right? Where, like, mm-hmm. Which type of visuals do you use? I think uh, last year when the short form was still very early on, I would see many examples of B-roll like from stock uh, libraries used. And many of these clips would be successful. And today I'm not seeing that anymore. I'm seeing that the Mm -hmm. ones that are successful have very, very customized B-roll. You know, the ones that just, you know, touch that very specific context or have something humoristic in them. Mm -hmm. And it's not the standard. So I think that we're seeing this commoditization in different levels. The music which is chosen, the B-rolls, the subtitles, how long you keep each scene, right? You switch scenes every three seconds, every five seconds, every one second. So there's a lot of different layers here. I'm curious if you have questions about the Imagine AI live conference I'm putting on in, in Las Vegas. Do you have any idea what it's about? <laughs> I saw some of your posts. Um, it looked like it's an AI conference for tech founders. Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. Um, at the All In Summit 2023, this a few months ago in September, it was at the last night at uh, the Grimes rave party that they they had. There was like I was just trying to get away from the dance floor and the loud music. And there's this really cool looking guy just kind of sitting at this table, like had a drink there. He's got this long hair and he's kind of like, just chill. I this guy I can approach and have a conversation with. And that was Steve Metcalf. And he's the, he started talking to me about, you know, we introduced each other. I said that I run the all in talk clip account and he was like, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm putting on this AI conference in a few months and it's going to be, I'm, I'm trying to get all the, the top AI creators and everybody, you know, the top uh, builders in the space uh, all in one place. And that, uh, I got this really cool, the new uh, Fontainebleau Hotel in Las Vegas. Uh, I got a reservation there. It's going to be like the first big conference that they put on. And I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. <laughs> and we, you know, changed. I took a picture of his thing, his uh, card and messaged him back. And then, you know, we talked a few times and he was always kind of like, you should think of coming on here when you, when you leave 20 BC. And yeah, that's what I did. So 
you know, I've got sweat equity. So I'm putting in my heart and soul into kind of running the social media accounts and, um, and building up steam for it. And then there's always the question of the podcast. Like I've wanted to start a podcast and it just made kind of made sense that I'm curious in the AI space. It's really fascinating to me and just kind of like build a podcast off the back of this in-person event and kind of just get the clips going and kind of always the name brand out there. And so that's, you know, that's what the kind of the goal of this is to um, build a community kind of like all in podcast has for uh, their fans um, and just this AI enthusiasts and AI creators, AI builders. And I mean, the goal is, I mean, when you come, you're going to learn how to actually use all these tools, what Steve likes to call them AI power tools and how to use them in your business to improve things, to make things more efficient and be more productive. And so that's, you know, I'm, I'm curious about all that too. I'm uh, just excited to to meet people and to fly to. I mean, I'm going to be in South Korea at the time. I'm going to fly to Las Vegas and put on a good show. Yeah, sounds uh, really good. I mean, there's a lot of different levels where you can take you know, these AI conferences. I've hosted several conferences also on AI. Nice. And I think choosing a lane is inter- is always uh, how deep you want to get to what level. Uh, I think having um, a way to play around with these tools. I think that's uh, a very cool one. You know, there's a lot of, I'm not sure if you checked out these latest uh, versions of mid-journey. The images that you can generate now are next level. And if you're able to you know, start using these tools in the process of what we're doing or other people can yeah. definitely use these to uh, make, make a lot of their work much, much more powerful. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm kind of curious with this clip. Like, I want to use these tools in the video creation. And just like, it's me and you talking normal standard Chris style clip and then oh but bam like we put you in a mid journey thing and you're kind of talking and you've got you're in space or something and just like something like visual that like mm. kind of catches the viewer off guard and like oh that looks cool and and then if that's not too much of a process to generate that and like you know it's an idiot that what I love about AI is that for creators for people building things it just it, it allows you to do so much more and it's just like you're personal assistant to just ideate with and to think of idea if you have writer's block or you you've got this concept for a video but you kind of want to play it out more you just like kind of you can script things out and i just i think for creators that kind of to let your mind and creativity wander with the help of ai and then you've got these tools to actually generate beautiful intriguing things and then put it out there to the world you know it's it's really cool just the progress we've seen the past 12 months in terms of the quality of some of these models is just very inspiring and it's getting you know, much, much better uh, very quickly. Yeah, I was going to say that I think the, you know, the biggest challenge now is one, uh, being able to actually have time to review everything. Um, you know, there's so many coming out and then there's new versions of things you've already tried. Um, there's a lot of noise. That's uh, probably one of the biggest concerns. And also a lot of um, people are skeptic about use cases. Right. You know, we, we've talked about kind of the most basic use cases of taking some text and generating an image. But where does that actually meet most people, most founders, most uh, marketing people in their day to day job? Right. They have mm-hmm. a job to be done. They need to solve it. Does AI always help? No. Can you use it somewhere to help? Probably. And I think that's where most people should focus their time. How can they solve something meaningful with whatever is available today? For sure. Yeah, definitely got to get the, the meaning out of it and, you know, want to be helping contribute, add more 
good things. I, I like the idea of like, you know, creating more than you consume. That's what I'm trying to do. I want to yeah. create more content than I consume. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good goal. Definitely so consume I, less and produce it, more. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any tips for me as somebody that's been to a lot of AI conferences? What's annoying about them? What don't you like? What do you think's done? People do well. Yeah. So uh, I've probably been like five in the past year, uh, but I wow. probably got like 100 invites. Most of them, I would say the, the problem is they're too generic. Yeah. They're trying to touch also on kind of the news of what's very popular. And, you know, it's the content is still good. It's true, but it doesn't hit, you know, that very direct, I think, chord, which you want to touch on. So I think looking at a very specific use case. So, for example, I hosted a conference that the title was which AI companies should founders not be building? And that got a thousand uh, people signed up, 300 attended. And I think that was um, kind of cut to the noise because most people are talking about, you know, you can do everything and, you know, it's so amazing. And should, everyone should be building AI companies, but also talking about what doesn't work, right? You know, which industries will have problems with AI, right? Look, this last mile that we've seen, what things can be done. Or maybe talking about a specific industry, like what can CFOs do? with AI for their jobs. So I think right now, and I think we've kind of passed that generalistic AI conference level. I think uh, going a bit more niche now, we'll probably be able to, uh, you know, to get very relevant people, very excited. Cool. And where was your conference that you hosted? This was uh, together with Microsoft in Tel Aviv. In their offices oh, wow. there. Nice. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Just imagine you see now like an ad on Twitter saying mm-hmm. an AI conference for podcast hosts, right? You would get excited for that. Yeah. Because it's very niche, yeah. as would I. Yeah, definitely. Our niche is it's for enterprise. It's like it's for big businesses and business in general. Some of the guests we have lined up, like he's basically gone through like all the big AI creators with like 100 K followers, some less than that, but like on Twitter and like a lot of these people are going to show up <laughs> and like speak and it's like the creators, but also the builders and, and we're trying to make it a really fun parties like the all in summit too. You mentioned before, you also want to be a bit more practical, right? Show practical tools. Yeah. That people yeah, can power use tools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually like getting to the nitty gritty of, he calls them like, yeah, the AI power tools of like, you know, a list of five or 10 things that you can use today and like, how do you use them to be more productive and, and streamline things? I think that's a really interesting um, focus because a mm-hmm. lot of the conferences, they're more, you know, get some more knowledge, you know, learn about the kind of high level things that are going on in AI, but talking about the low level, right? The actual tools, how to use them, how to prompt them properly. I think that's a lot of places where most people are a bit afraid for example, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned Midjourney, right? And the, their new model is just very high quality. Most people probably don't know how to even use Midjourney because it's a bit complex. Yeah, you have to use the chat interface, uh, mm-hmm. Discord, to access that. So, you know, talking also about the practical uses, I think that's um, it's interesting value offering because you're basically saying, come to the conference, you're going to leave this conference knowing how to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, definitely, man. You just made a nice little sales pitch for me. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> um, now you create the clip. Yeah, well, you know, that's what we're going for. You're going to learn more about uh, AI in two days than you can in two years. How long are you in New York for? 
I'm going to be here for 10 more days. Nice. Yeah, just, nice. just for the holidays until New Year's. What uh, area in New York are you? I'm on the Upper West Side. Cool. That's near the Seinfeld restaurant, I believe. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> um, nice. I think that was on, I think he's on 76th in Amsterdam. What would you like AI to do with the Seinfeld restaurant right now? If you can visualize. Imagine right now, if me and you are talking like in the booth, their usual booth. Yeah. And we can place our bodies or our faces like exactly that perspective in the scene. That'd be cool. <laughs> can mid journey do it? Can, yeah. can Dolly do it? Yeah. Yeah. You could look at the backgrounds and just paste our faces on it. It's a bit clumsy, but that can also work. So the, the top three image AI generators now, Midjourney's one, Dolly, Facebook has one. I haven't tried Facebook's. Um, I would say um, Runway also has an interesting one. As Runway, a third. Runway ML. Nice. They also have another cool feature where you can give them an image, right? Like still image. And mm-hmm. you can ask them to make that animated. Like the, you know, the, the clouds will slightly move. I think that that's a really cool model. Because uh, we can, a lot of people have a stock image or an existing image they can use. And if that, you can turn that to a video, that's uh, appealing. What are the top AI tools you actually use in your data life, daily life, or in your business? So personally, I have ChatGPT4 almost always open in a tab. I probably use it several times a day for various things. We use GPT also in our business in several places. And um, some of them are more, you know, generate the titles for some of the videos or at least candidates for titles. But we also use it for, for example, for prospecting. We have a workflow that uh, looks for companies that could be a good fit to work with. And to understand if this is the right company, we use GPT-4 to classify a company either with a yes or a no. So uh, that's kind of a use, use case we used. I also use, um, this is actually something pretty new, only last month they started, a tool called Magical, which um, joins my Zoom conversations, uh, which a lot of tools do. It records a session, transcribes it, and adds it into our internal Notion. And then so it's linked automatically to um, the summary of the calls, linked to all of our customers or investors. So I just finish a call and everything is already documented and indexed. I've been trying to get to that workflow for years. In theory, it was possible for a while, but I haven't, you know, been able to succeed until now. So I'm excited with that. That, that. Again, I I love when I hear these things and I get little goosebumps because it's just like, that's just, it's (laughs) like, how how much time does that save you? Because otherwise, yeah, you'd be going off of a investor call or, you know, call with a client and you'd spend like 20, 30 minutes you know, trying to remember everything and type it up in a document and share it with the team. It's even more than that, Chris. I probably wouldn't even done do that most situations. Uh, I would just write down very superficial notes and I would lose a lot of the context. Yeah, it, w- it would definitely, to properly summarize and tag and, you know, add everything properly, it would take probably like 20 minutes for each call I have. So that could be, wow. let's say, four calls a day which is, you know, isn't even like a, a huge number. And you know, just to give an example, um, just this morning, my uh, partner, he had to go on to a sales call instead of me because I couldn't uh, be there. And after the call, um, he wanted to talk to me and I already got a push notification of the summary of the call because my uh, account was associated with it. And I saw everything inside our CRM. 
And uh, like even before he can call me, I already knew exactly how the call went. So um, wow, that was really yeah. cool. It just saves a lot of time on a call then too. You have to relay that information and it's going to be scattered and you know broken information that gets relayed. But, yeah. If uh, at all, it would be there. Yeah. yeah. It probably usually wouldn't even be there. Um, and this company, do you, how did it come across your radar? Do you know anything about the company? Yeah. The, the, the CEO and co-founder is a friend. It doesn't automatically mean I use all my friends' services, but they recently pivoted to, and they added these features and, you know, I was like $20 a month. That's it. This is a steal. Of course, I'm going to do this. But yeah, it's uh, it also it needs to support some interesting nuances. For example, you know, many people have conversations in sometimes different languages. So it also mm-hmm. supports multiple language, which was an important feature. Because I do do, uh, I probably do like say a, a third of my calls non-English. Like Hebrew? And or? it to support, yeah, Hebrew. I also needed uh, something which just sounds very... Um, Nuance, but it's pretty common. I needed it to go back to my CRM, to Notion. And most of these companies have not built an adapter to Notion. So those two things, when I saw it, I was excited. I mean, and that's just like a practical, you know, like, oh, cool. And it's like clearly saves time and that kind of hooks right there. Like, oh, save 30 minutes of your time. Times four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tomer, it's been a great time talking with you. Thanks so much. Really look forward to seeing how far Lychee goes in the future. And I love uh, love talking with you. We've been friends for like, two years now. So it's really uh, cool to have you on the pod and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Yeah. Thanks for hosting me, man. <laughs> <laughs>